0: To episode one of the Into the We Are podcast. My name is Sarah
1: Pendergrass and
0: I am here today with my good friend and co-host Kristen Wharton.
1: And we are here kind of as this first episode just to get a good introduction of like why we're here, what we're hoping to achieve, kind of moving forward, um, all of our intentions I guess. So um, we are actually here because of Sarah <laughs> Sarah, maybe a few weeks ago, messaged me on Facebook Messenger going, this is really random. And I remember where I was, I was in line at a restaurant to have dinner. She goes, this is really random. But have you ever thought of podcasting? And I went, you know what, now that you mentioned it, I have thought about it a lot um, Sarah had come to me going, okay, great. So I've done all the research. I know exactly where we can do it. I just thought of you as a great co-host. And I mean, for me, I had thought about doing a podcast, but I would have been way too scared to do it by myself or to reach out to anybody. So the reason that we're sitting here is because of Sarah. (laughs) That's kind of how we got here.
0: Yeah. I'm so stoked that this has happened a so quickly and that you said, yes, it's just perfect. It's something I've been thinking about for quite a while now Linking into my new business, Into the We Arrows, and just bringing a female slant to the adventure world when it comes to podcasts. And I couldn't think of a better person to share it with. So thank you so much. Yeah,
1: I, I think when we kind of first sat down, we had all these kind of different ideas of what we wanted to do. And I think when we started to list out all the podcasts that we really liked, it was definitely noticeable that there was a lack of a female voice in there. And so I think that was the biggest thing of what we want to bring in is not just females. I think we want to just bring a, a different kind of voice into everybody. So, you know, whether it's men, women, kids, if they want to be thrown in there too, like just an inclusion for everybody, but having a bit more of that female slant, I think that we both noticed that in our library of podcasts, it was very much lacking for both of us so I thought that was pretty cool
0: yeah Yeah. agreed and I think I mean we have a shared vision in terms of we love listening to long podcasts while running etc and we're often often listening to the voices of professional athletes and through this we hope to create the opportunity to lift the voice of like your everyday adventurer your everyday athlete those people who are doing some really awesome stuff be that through ultra running or bikepacking or cool multi-day adventures, but not people necessarily who are paid to do that. The people who have the luxury to sleep in, to get up, train, stretch, see their physio, have another nap. It's like these are... People like you and I, essentially, who are living busy lives, but doing really cool stuff at the same time. So I'm super, super excited for
1: them. Yeah, the, uh, the five to nine adventures. Yeah, the five <laughs> to nine, the best. <laughs> and the weekend warriors. We're here for you, and we're here with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I are. Um, so uh, yeah, I think we just want to, again, like what Sarah was saying, is just bring kind of a little bit more normalcy into the voice of you know, people just getting out and about and also hopefully new people inspiring them, whether it is to join Sarah on a Monday morning to hike Mount Nindery yeah. for sunrise that might have never done something like that before to, you know, how to plan your first backpacking adventure solo. Um, I guess with that as well, we're both in a really privileged state of being, I guess, to Be in a spot that both of us feel really comfortable doing that and really safe as well. So there are some considerations, I think, as we go through the episodes that we'll probably have to take into place. We are coming from a a very safe environment in Australia. Both of us don't sound Australian, but we are actually, in fact, in Australia. True. and COVID regulations and stuff have obviously been different for us, too. So there'll be a bit of that to come into play. But we are, I think, both very fortunate to be living on the Sunshine Coast where we we, we do feel safe even as women getting out for those solo adventures. So it's also taking that into consideration. But also, how do you be safe in other places as well? So we'll you know, obviously talk about that as we go through. So, yeah, Sarah um, mentioned bikepacking. We're both Ultra in the past, you know, past lives, I think, past. at this stage, <laughs> no. both coming off injuries, but Cleaning still on. currently, yeah, <laughs> um, and just wanting to, yeah, talk about all of those different kinds of adventures that we can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You make a really good point. We are incredibly privileged and fortunate to be where we are on the sunny coast, um, and also the point that neither of us are Australian, and our idea to launch this podcast is we'll essentially Use each other as experiments, and we will interview each other so that you get an idea of our backgrounds, of our interests, and and what we're bringing to this podcast. But going forward, it really will be an interview style with some really cool people having some great conversations.
1: Yeah, we. I, I think for both of us, we're still busy. Like again, we're not doing this for any sort of you know monetary purposes. So it, it is just all for fun. So we're trying to keep it. Um, pretty stress-free at the moment, but also giving ourselves a timeline to kind of push us to be able to bring out some stuff. So we'd like to hopefully have an episode about every three weeks is kind of the, a realistic goal that I think that we thought that we could start with and that might change to more or less or whatever. But yeah, pretty much this whole time, I think both of our collaborations have been, whatever we choose, it's flexible. So it's not set in stone. Agreed. Yeah, kind of go from there. So, like Sarah mentioned, um, we wanted to take kind of the first couple of episodes to introduce ourselves, where we're coming from. Um, Again, just to also give us a bit of a, a like play around with actually doing like we're sitting in front of a piece of equipment that's a lot of money that we do not have very much experience with, and I'm on my computer doing all of it. So, to give ourselves a little bit of that editing practice as well, we just thought it'd be a good kind of opportunity to. Just be able to interview each other, get some insights on where both of us are coming from. So again, because we are sitting here because of Sarah, I called dibs on doing the dibs. interview first. So are you ready? I
0: am. And I'm actually excited about this because you and I know each other from trail running. We've shared some long runs, but I'm kind of curious to find out more about you as well. So I know it's starting with me, but
1: it's going to be a fun process. <laughs> um, one of my friends, when I was running with them... We had it, This is Phoebe, who I would love to get on the podcast later as well, yeah. and uh, she made a comment of, like, it'd be nice to catch up with people face-to-face because we always catch up either front-to-back, like, on a single track, or... Side to side. (laughs) So it is quite different, obviously, looking at somebody. Of course, we've got microphones in front of my face, so it feels different, too. But, yeah, I've been looking forward to it as well. So, all right, let's kick off into our interview with Sarah Pendergrass. (laughs) Now, when I I actually sent you through these questions beforehand, and I had a lightning round at the end of it, but I actually wanted to flip that around just to get us warmed up a little bit. So... Uh, I think I actually have six questions. I told you I had five. I have a bonus one there. So, beer, wine, or spirits? Or nothing.
0: (laughs) This is an easy one for me, Kristen. Wine. Wine every time. I don't even drink beer, to be honest. Yeah, never. Never, ever. I've tried many times to like it, and I just don't like it. So, I'm all about the
1: wine. And you're always wearing lippy as well that can... <laughs> <laughs> the wine stains. Uh what was your first ultra? Oh my
0: first ultra was September 2017 and I actually flew home to Scotland and it was the Tyree Ultra. So Isle of Tyree, remote west coast of Scotland. You've got to sit on a ferry for hours to get there. You run a lap of the island. And it was like intense hail, snow, gale force wind running through bogs, which safe to say none of which I had practiced living in Southeast Queensland, but it was amazing.
1: I, I actually looked through all of your Instagram. I went like real deep I <laughs> looked at some of those photos and your, your face, if anybody wants like a really really good indication of what Sarah went through in that ultra just deep through her Instagram there are some hilarious photos of just you battling the elements it
0: was brutal I even <laughs> remember because it was my first one I was so excited I like changed my running shoes halfway and within seconds was straight into a bog and like looking back I'm like I would never change my shoes in a 50k night but you know all the fun stuff you do when you're learning so <laughs> oh, I love it uh
1: what's your favorite show to binge
0: oh my favorite show to binge Mm, I always have this story that I don't really like I don't have a TV um, but I do have Netflix on my computer I'm trying to think anything that's kind of like really trashy reality TV maybe like about cheerleaders I don't know, it sounds a bit weird. But also things like Downton Abbey, I am a bit of a fan of that too.
1: I had no idea. That is really newsworthy.
0: <laughs> it's a bit of a guilty pleasure.
1: <laughs> Have you watched Below Deck?
0: No, what's oh, Below Deck? It's
1: terrible. It's like about yachts and the people who work on these just hugely expensive yachts. You'll love it. It's oh, super awesome. trashy.
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah, like Baby Ballroom, all those ones. Oh, oh, oh
1: yeah. Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> favorite trails in the world and this can be for anything biking hiking running whatever comes to mind
0: oh my favorite trails in the world I've been pretty fortunate with the different places that I've especially running because I've been running longer than mountain biking but the first thing that springs to mind to be honest is New Zealand so not far from home but just some incredible trails there the landscape I think because the scenery reminds me of Scotland but it's bigger scale so, yeah, New Zealand is the first place that comes to mind for sure. Yeah, they're, uh, I think
1: we're pretty spoiled with that. Uh, one thing that you miss about Scotland and one thing that you love about Australia?
0: Oh, one thing I miss about Scotland, I think I miss the seasons. So I love living on the sunny coast, but I do miss the opportunity to like really rug up in winter although that being said, it's like 21 degrees here and I've been wearing my puffer. <laughs> so.
1: yes, Sarah's
0: got a scarf on going, "Oh, it's a bit chilly. <laughs> <laughs> so I have softened slightly. Um, I miss the autumn, like just beautiful autumn colours um, and being out on the trails at that time of year, I definitely miss. Um, and then one thing I love about Australia, the climate. <laughs> this, is, this is a very British answer. I'd just like to chat to you about the weather today, Kristen. <laughs>
1: Uh, but it's true. I love the sunshine yeah. and the ocean. So you want you're an enigma, Sarah. Already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> My life's very confusing, Kristen. <laughs> okay, if you could only choose running or biking for the rest of your life, and you could not touch the either either of them or the other one that you don't choose. What would you choose, running or biking?
0: Oh, I just opened my eyes really wide there because I was like,
1: "I know that would be like most a heartbreak,
0: <laughs> question ever." Because I run, and then I'm like, "This is the best thing in the world." And then I ride my bike, and I'm like, "No, this is the best thing in the world." Oh my gosh! Okay, I've got two answers. Can I have two answers? Nope. Oh, because I was thinking, well, for long- longevity, I'd have to choose the bike. Um. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Have you never been asked this before? No. Yeah, okay. Clearly not. Clearly. (laughs) I literally can only do one of them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to choose the bike because of the diversity with it and the distance you can cover. But this is a really nasty question. I know.
1: (laughs) So, that's the yeah. end of The Right Little <laughs> Round. So, good, okay, thank you. So, obviously, we've mentioned that you are not from Australia. Correct. Not from Sunshine Coast. You are, indeed, from wee old Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> so, in as many or little words as you would like, let's hear your origin story. How did you go from Scotland to Sunshine Coast? What happened? <laughs> this is a really... D&M question to start (laughs) off with but again you can elaborate as much or little as you'd like I just want to kind of know your origin story.
0: Um, Origin from like little little or just Scotland? It is completely up to you. Okay I feel like I'm going to make a confession on the podcast so I always say I'm Scottish and my mom and that side of the family are Scottish and I've represented Scotland at sport but the reality is I was born in England.
1: Gasp!
0: Yes. Okay, so this isn't going to be a big deal for Australian <laughs> listeners. But if you're Scottish and you know I've been pretending, then yeah, the whole England-Scotland rivalry might come in. So I did live the first 10 years of my life in England.
1: 10 years?
0: Yeah, I did. And so when people are like, oh, I can understand you even though you're Scottish, I'm like, well, there might be part of that in it as well um but anyway i identify as scottish
1: <laughs> 2021 you can identify as scottish i know how cool
0: <laughs> um yeah so then I grew up in scotland after that went to university in scotland lived in the north of scotland in aberdeen for nine years aberdeen is pretty much the absolute opposite to the sunshine coast it's it's a beautiful city but it's gray It's pretty dark a lot of the year. It's cold. It's very typical north of Scotland. Um, And, yeah, the opportunity came up in 2011 to move to Australia with my husband at the time. He was offered a job in Sydney. And, yeah, we thought let's let's do it and i pretty much got a working holiday visa i had that whole thing of oh if we just try it for a year we'll put our stuff in storage and like 10 years later still have stuff in storage in the uk so um yeah i'm now very fortunate to be an australian citizen and although i'd never say never it's hard to imagine moving home and i think amidst covid and everything else i realized you know we are incredibly fortunate to be here but the lifestyle here is just incredible um also, no doubt, as I know you'll feel, Kristen, the world feels a lot bigger right now because I've always lived in Australia knowing, oh, I can just pop home anytime any time if I need to. And that option is not available to me right now, which is kind of sad. And yeah, love to everyone else in the same position, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, here I am,
1: Sunshine Coast. Mm-hmm. So I was in
0: Sydney for, I don't know, four years maybe and then moved up to the coast.
1: What did you study at university?
0: Um, so I went to university to study law and um, Spanish. And the reason I went to Aberdeen was because you study Scots law. And Aberdeen was as far away from home that I could possibly get and still be in Scotland. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, I hope you don't listen to this. Um, <laughs> She'll be
1: one of our two listeners next to my Mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Moms. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I studied Scots law and I did a year of it. And I really didn't enjoy it. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to end up back in the same life in Edinburgh. And I don't necessarily want that. So I went around my halls of residence. So, like, that's your university accommodation in Scotland, your halls. And I asked every single person what they studied and if they enjoyed it. And every single person who was studying geography said they
1: loved it. So, boom, I changed to geography in Spanish. So, geography. So, what were you like? What does a geography degree get you? Uh, It gets you a geography degree. Yeah, as much (laughs) as an English degree, probably. Yeah, so I would
0: say it gives you a lot of transferable skills. (laughs) But essentially, I came out um, with the most obscure joint honours degree in geography and Spanish and had no idea what I wanted to do. So, yeah, it doesn't give you much direction. It just gives you the life skills. And also, the lecturers were, like, super fun. So... It gave you good field trips, Um, and I ended up really with my Spanish going into marketing, so using my language for that. Gotcha, okay.
1: And talk about a little bit of your, I guess, um, athletic origins as well. Um, How did you get to be doing what you're doing? Because I'm sure in Scotland it would have been at least soccer right have you played soccer no No. lacrosse
0: right yeah I was well so talk yes let's hear your
1: origin story behind your uh behind your activity wise
0: (laughs) yeah I guess um I've played competitive team sport pretty much all my childhood so like starting under sevens county hockey champions with my school (laughs) (laughs) little light brag there (laughs) so you know under seven county hockey and I imagine that just like a field of sheep chasing a ball to be honest you know what it's like when kids start playing ball sports um so yeah that was but that was actually a massive lesson because we got to travel with the team and compete at a different level and yeah that was pretty cool um and then played field hockey my whole school um time and also lacrosse and that's Pretty much through school, I started playing representative. So um, I played for Scotland junior sides for hockey and lacrosse. The first time I came to Australia, actually, was with the under-19 Scotland lacrosse team for a World Cup at the WACA in Perth, which is pretty
1: cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, and then just through uni, continued to play lacrosse for the university and for some Scottish sides as well. I mean, I talk about it like I'm playing for Scotland. Lacrosse is a pretty small sport, and Scotland's a pretty small country, so... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's not really that much of a brag. Take what you can, girl. <laughs> you are like number one choice.
0: <laughs> and at uni, actually, I also played um, a, a very traditional Gaelic Scottish sport called Shinty, Kamana in, uh, in Gaelic, which is kind of like field hockey, but contact. Um, Brutal. Yeah. And it's also so when you play for the Scottish side, or play for Scottish unis, you play Ireland and they're playing a different sport. So they're playing Komugi, so it's like Shinty Komugi is combined,
1: which is kind of curious as well. So, mm. Yeah. I can't really remember what the question was, but I'm just Your athletic background. So I'm yeah, I'm going to kind of now guide you into um so you went from team sports, when did you stop doing that and when did you start doing cuz you are like classic now solo, Sarah, right? Yeah. So how did how did that transition happen? I'm sure it happened over time. So talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. that I was actually thinking about this recently because I was asked by someone to do Kokoda and I was like, oh, the biggest challenge for me is do I want to do this in a team? Because I just do stuff on my own, like long endurance stuff. Um, so, yeah, it pretty much came with moving to Australia because lacrosse didn't really exist in Sydney. There was a little bit, but not very much. Um, and yeah, I guess in Sydney, my community was very much. I got into ocean swimming and surf lifesaving. I was a clubby at Bondi, um, and then moved up to Noosa and was looking how to connect with people. and Triathlon seemed like a pretty big deal here, so I started doing triathlon and CrossFit. And in at that, that time, I was very much like sprint athlete, like a power sprint. There was no way I had any interest in doing anything long. I don't know how it happened, but then I did a half Iron Man and was like, whoa, this is so much easier than going hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm laughing because I can understand that. Like, I don't want to do 5K. I'd rather do 100K. Like, five hard. Me now. It's yeah. like Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Whereas we might have some people going, oh my gosh, just to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and then, yeah, I ended up um, connecting with a local bunch of trail runners on the coast, the Nutters. Who really are that? And I remember running with them, and they were talking about running fifty kilometers. And I just thought that is absolutely insane. And then before I knew it, was doing my first like twenty-six kilometer trail race, and then it just escalated from there. And now I am all about long, slow, snacking on the hills—just <laughs> an extended
1: picnic. Just an extended picnic. An extended picnic. <laughs> Carrying all my stuff in my vest. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right. Cool. Does that uh, over-encapsulate you as well? What, carrying all my snacks? (laughs) (laughs) All of your origins just then. Anything else you'd like to add about what brings you to the table today?
0: Oh, I guess the only other thing that sprung to mind when I was thinking about being a kid playing sport was my asthma, actually. Um, I was incredibly asthmatic as a child, and I keep forgetting that until recently where I've been struggling again as an adult, actually. Um, And so breathwork for me is something that currently is a real interest. And my history with that is at 15, when I was playing international sport, I was really struggling. Meds weren't really helping. And my mum had the foresight to sign me up for a breathing method called Buteyko, which when I look back was pretty cool, because I don't think many 15-year-olds in the 90s were doing breathwork work. And I guess that interest has stayed with me and I'm doing a breathwork instructor course next month. And yeah, led some breathwork this morning on our hike and just really passionate about the opportunities that that brings and the health benefits from it as
1: well. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, you'll have a bit to bring to the table there. So the podcast, we decided to go with the business name of Into the Wee Hours so I, pro- I haven't even heard of this whole backstory. But if someone's to ask you, oh, what's into the wee hours, what would you say? I'd say that's a good
0: question. <laughs> still figuring it out. <laughs> it's still growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the idea behind it was through my personal Instagram or the gear and a idea, I share a lot of my adventures, like a lot of micro adventures overnight, fast packing, so hiking or running with a backpack, camping. Bike packing, so adventuring with my bike and camping and I felt like I was getting approached by a lot of people saying oh this is really cool like it, either I would never be able to do that myself or hey what gear are you using or like, like give me some advice and especially for those people who say oh I could never do that myself my response is always no but you can um, and so Into The We was born from that idea of empowering people to get out, to reconnect with nature and to p- t- potentially push their boundaries as well. Yes, you need to be equipped. Yes, you need to know what you're doing. But it's not that complicated once you have those foundations. So, yeah, we will see what happens at the moment. I'm looking at workshops around bikepacking, packing. Fast packing. Potentially some guided adventures like micro adventures, just recognizing that multi-day trips are really epic, but actually just taking one night in nature can be really transformational as well. And yeah, a bunch of other content that we're working on and the podcast is just like a fun arm of that.
1: Cool. I love it. It, Was there anybody who got you particularly into backpacking or ultra running or anything like that? Like, do, do you draw off of any inspirations?
0: Um... I didn't really know that there was anyone in particular in terms of someone who I personally know. I think I've just always loved being outdoors and loved the challenge. And, I mean, podcasts, well enough, more laterally, have been something that's super inspirational for me, listening to, like, my heroes who get out there and just do it, and women like Jenny Tuff, who are just these incredible adventurers. But, no, I think I've just kind of fallen from one thing to another and always just trusted that I'm there to have fun I'm happy to be challenged and connecting with like-minded souls is like a real appeal especially when it comes to the trail world like that really feels like home for me
1: yeah any photo that you look at you doing that is either an event or just you know a selfie that you're taking yourself you know, I think you have you are pretty good about being pretty transparent. There's some moments that I think you have that have been a little bit tough along the trail, as everybody has, and you're really transparent about that. But you're always the forefront that you can tell is, like, this is freaking awesome. Like, you're just stoked to be there, 100%. which I think is, um, yeah, definitely probably what keeps you there as well as keeps you coming back as well. Is there anything in particular that you're training for at the moment? I kind of already know the question, but just to put it out there, because sometimes it also kind of timestamps it. (laughs) Because I know I need that too. But what are you training for at the moment? Or what's, yeah, what's something?
0: So the next big thing on the cards, and I say it with this tone of voice because I've not had the lead up at all that I was hoping, I was currently actually meant to be riding my bike self-supported to Longreach. I'd mapped a 1500 kilometre ride, I was going to take my tent, I was going to sleep in ditches and ride from the coast to the outback to visit some friends. However, I've had some injury issues and I'm not doing that, but I'm happy to be here. So the next big thing is a bikepacking route called the Hunt 1000. It's a 1000 kilometre journey from Canberra through the Australian high country to Melbourne. If vert means anything to you, it's 20,000 metres of climbing over 1000 kilometres. And what I understand to be the case is that 100 kilometres of it is hike a bike. So it's unrideable. You'll be pushing your bike for 100 k's. Not one section, but cumulatively over the 1,000 k's. Whoa. So it is going to be the biggest challenge that I've ever taken on, that's for sure. Um, But I kind of love it because I feel like a lot of things that I take on, albeit a challenge, like say a 50k run, I know I can drag myself to the end, whereas with this, it's like, you know what, less than 50% of people complete it, and who knows, like, I could be that person, but that's okay as well, like, I know I will go there and give it my best, I'm doing it with a few friends, which will be really fun and interesting as well because I do typically lean towards doing solar adventures but I am also very aware of the beauty of sharing the type two misery which <laughs> there's going to be a lot of. <laughs> so yeah that's um, I think end of November, December. It, it may oh, or may be not be
1: hot. Well I guess down there just hotter not cold. Oh, well is it's, gonna be?
0: it's a very good question because they've had a year one year where they had bushfires in the valley and snow at the top. So, in terms of kit requirements and preparation, like you really need to be on the ball for safety. Like it's you're out in the high country,
1: um, which is so exciting as well. Whoa, yeah. that's intense. Have you spoken to people who have done it?
0: Um, yeah, I have. Yeah, but in fact, someone who I'd like to get on the podcast. Um, and yeah, they're they're just like it's no joke, and it's not. The training isn't just riding your bike. It's like strength and conditioning because you're being thrown all over the place. You are pushing your bike. It's going to be a challenge and day in, day out. You choose like how many days you want it to take you as well. So that's kind of... An interesting factor too, but say potentially we're riding 100k's off road a day for ten days back to back.
1: Yeah, is it all trails or is it? I think it's like seventy or eighty percent off road. So do you take your gravel bike? Like, what's your what's the? Yeah, I'll be taking
0: my gravel bike. People tend to ride either hardtails
1: or like gravel type bike. Yeah. Okay. And have you already started like mentally preparing for how and what you're going to take? Yes, for sure. And I was wearing one of my jackets
0: this morning and was like, oh no, I'm freezing on the Sunshine Coast. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be a game of layering I think, but um yeah, I'm always building my bike
1: packing gear so it's just part of it. And, and so do you have a coach who's helping you prepare for that? So
0: um I'm working with a good friend of mine Matt who's head coach at Mountain Bike Coach Australia. He's going to be going on this mission as well. Um and he's an incredibly strong athlete and an adventurer and he's been programming me a bit prior to me hurting my back. The thing I'm throwing in the mix though is well, it's like I realised that if I don't run a marathon or an ultra this year, it will be the first time since 2017 that I haven't. So- so I kind of want to run a decent distance
1: as well. Sarah, okay. Again, <laughs> I didn't realize this. So what, yeah. so you've got the bike event that you're preparing for. Mm. What's the run event that's in the back of your head or well, just something solo?
0: Yeah, it might. I was actually, I was looking at Coastal High because I kind of have oh, unfinished I business so, with that.
1: Oh, true. Talk about your experience with Coastal High. So, <laughs> I've,
0: I've run a four-kilometer section of <laughs> Coastal High. <laughs> Beautiful? Oh. Well, well, it's kind of the road where you run uphill. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to the trailhead and was like, you know what? I am really injured. If I keep doing this, this is a mistake. Because I'm trying to think which year that was. It was
1: – That was like 19, wasn't it? No, because you did Black Blackall yeah. in 18. Yeah. Was it Coastal High ni- 19? Gosh, About I can't 18?
0: remember. One of those years. But I completed Run Larapinta, the state a stage race on the Larapinta Trail outside of Alice Springs two weeks prior and it ended up that it actually torn my hip, but I was in a state of, Sarah, denial um, until I started racing and was like, no, I could end up deep in the trail and unable to walk. So I am pretty curious to do that race. That being said, for me, like I'm not super race focused. I would happily just design my own 50K and run that myself or get some people to come out and run it with me, hopefully, if I can get myself back up and running.
1: So I guess that's a good question too. You've come off of a few unlucky injuries this year and there's been some injuries in the past. Basically, you are an ultra athlete. So injuries are just, it's not if, it's when, right? So how do you keep yourself motivated? And I guess in a good headspace for that, there's a lot of people that get injured and they just, whether it's a... Um, self-realization moment that they're a little bit more one-dimensional than they thought that they were because they struggle quite into it or you know any of that so how I guess how do you keep yourself motivated to still keep getting back into it yeah so
0: as you say when you take part in ultras it is inevitable essentially that you're going to find yourself in this cycle um how do you keep yourself motivated I would honestly say I haven't always been able to um I broke my ankle in August.
1: And Sarah, how
0: did you do that? Yeah, so I was like sending it on this note. <laughs> I slipped in my living room like an old lady, took a tumble, <laughs> walked on a very swollen, very colourful ankle for a couple of days in complete denial. And yeah, I ended up being advised to go to A&E or whatever we call it here, ED. And yeah, it was fractured and displaced. That landed me in a cast on crutches and then in a moon boot for three months. And in all honesty, like, I struggled during that time. And I think that on reflection, that's part of it. So, like, when you look at injury, for me now, it's about patience, accepting this is where I am. And you know what? It sucks. And part of that is compassion. So, yeah, it does suck. And that's okay. You know, like, These things happen, and I do truly believe that without signing too woo-woo, that we are always exactly where we're supposed to be. And these things happen for a reason, right? So mine, you know, when I broke my ankle, I ended up um, cast and then moon boot, and very quickly I was, like, back on my wind trainer with my moon boot on. I had to sleep in the thing, but I was like, I can still do circuits, et cetera, et cetera. I then so weirdly fell again in my bathroom on water and I like had like a minor tear in my knee, and at that point, everyone was like, "The universe is telling you to slow down." And I was like, "If anyone else tells me the universe is telling me to slow down, I'm going to punch them." And I am not an aggressive person.
1: <laughs> if anything, you're like super zen, actually, Abby. This is a little <laughs> anecdote uh, at at um, the where I work at the Academy was saying that you've got a really nice vibe to you. She's like, Oh, every time Sarah comes in, like she's just really calming to be around. So like you as a person, even to somebody completely random, you give off a really good energy. Oh, yeah. So, so you're definitely not you. aggressive.
0: No, I'm surprised Abby thinks that because I come in with my five-month pop who's absolutely hectic. And I feel we'll like I'm get puzzled. into this later. That's a whole
1: introduction in itself.
0: But yeah, patience, um, compassion. And yeah, so I took that a second fall. And it did make me realize I don't perceive myself as a one-dimensional person, However, when I look at what I call, this is from one of my teachers, my supercharged practices, so the things that really lift me up, when I look at my list, every single one was movement. It's like running on the trails, riding on the trails, yoga, like getting into nature and I was just sitting on my sofa with this moon boot on thinking I can't even get on the trails, like what do I do now? Um, And perspective I guess is the third element so yeah patience compassion and perspective you know what I can't get on the trails but I'm still incredibly fortunate to typically have my health and there's still a hell of a lot of stuff that you can do so that led me more down the route of okay let's spend more time in meditation let's spend more time reading let's think about what I can do that doesn't involve movement but still makes me feel good within myself And don't get me wrong, there were a few bottles of wine consumed during that time (laughs) because sometimes I was just like, this sucks. And so much of it that actually sucked was missing community. You know, it's like I do connect. I think we're probably very similar in this sense that my connection with people is often let's go for a run or let's go for a ride. And all I could do was go for the coffee after the ride or the run and hear how awesome the ride or the run was. And am like, I hate you all.
1: <laughs> it's when you're injured, you see anybody moving, you're like, oh, stop bragging. <laughs> That's
0: the thing, right? But I guess it's maybe that um, amnesia as an endurance athlete, in inverted commas, that
1: it's like... You're an athlete, don't use inverted commas. Okay. Quotations, Yeah. yeah.
0: But, you know, like then when you can start moving again, it's like, sweet, like, okay, it t- it's taking me a while with my ankles and just now I'm really getting range of motion back. But it's just, you're just back in nature, you're back on the trail, you're, that passion is there again. And I think my why is so deeply grounded in being in nature and being in that beautiful environment that that doesn't go anywhere. Mm. That's always available to me. Um, but yeah, injuries, they suck. And you know what? They just do. But they also do. As cliche as it sounds, they provide opportunity as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think you're, you've are you got a really good point that your why is really, really strong. Like you're one that gets out there. You, like throughout COVID, you would have been somebody who's out there all the time. Well... I guess we couldn't really get out there too, but you would make the best of it. Like you were constantly doing that, you know, you dove into yoga and meditation. So different stuff, again, movement was that key background as well. 100%. That's it. Um, I guess <laughs> coming from injury into like huge, big stuff. So you've got Hurt 1000. Like, is there any sort of ginormous event that you look off into the distance and go like, man, that would be cool. Like, what is something that you're kind of that daydream in the back of your head of like, I would love to do that one day. So before I answer that, I just want to point out, you just
0: changed the name of my event to the perfect name. The name of the event is Hunt 1000, oh. and you just altered it to Hurt 1000,
1: which I, I think, think is... I was thinking of Hurt 100 in Hawaii. <laughs> I
0: think it is going to be Hurt just,
1: 1000. It should just be Hurt. I think I did that implicitly.
0: It was the most perfect slip, so yeah, I will I will be remembering that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, so... A couple of things spring to mind. One of them I actually was supposed to do last year. So um, pre-COVID, I'd signed up to go to Iceland in June. And I hadn't really done very much bikepacking then, but I've done a lot of multi-day stuff. And I was meant to be riding, I think it was around 1500 kilometers off road, totally self-supported. And it was through some incredibly remote places. And The appeal of that was the same as my appeal for Hunt in the sense of like, I have no idea if I can do this. And that one was actually a race. So there was even a, you only had 10 days. And then basically they were like, we'll be at the finish line for 10 days and then see if you don't make it. And I was super excited at the prospect of that. Just downloading the GPX file, sticking it on my bike and seeing if I could make it through some potentially really brutal weather conditions. Like that's going to be the biggest thing in Iceland, right? And since then, people like Chris Burkhard and Emily Batty have done these awesome bikepacking trips in Iceland. I'm just like, I still want to ride that route 100%.
1: And is that, do you, like, is it around the Rim? No, the rim room so, or?
0: no, it's it's all off-road. It was kind of a loop, but it went through some of the really barren, like, central parts of Iceland. Mm-hmm. I can't honestly remember now the exact locations, but it was, one of them was, like, a road that's only open a couple of weeks a year and potentially have to do river crossings because of snowmelt and stuff. So, yeah, I just thought it would be such an iconic landscape. It's somewhere I've wanted to go for ages. I know you've been there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is something I would still love to do. Cool. And then can I have one other? Of
1: course. <laughs> so <laughs> this is not a lightning round. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the other one is closer to home and inverted commas. So I set the intention. I was working at Lululemon, um, well, a year or two ago, at lose track of time. And I, we had the opportunity to set a goal and write it on the side of a van. And mine was to trail run self supported the length of Scotland, So there's a pretty incredible trail network through Scotland and you can quite easily, I say quite easily, you can link up trails from south to north. The northern part is through the Cape Wrath section and you might have heard of the race that's Cape Wrath Ultra. So it's a multi-day race, but I was just going to self-supported map out a route and run from south to the north. And I would still love to do that because it's home, it's Scotland, but also parts of Scotland I've never seen.
1: That'd be awesome. So yeah, a bike goal and a running goal. Yeah, I like it because it's uh, very much you is because you don't have to choose. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that on this occasion. In real life, you don't have to choose. (laughs) Indeed. Um, What has been the most memorable run or adventure or something that you've done in the past that just, yep, that springs to mind? That was awesome. It doesn't even have to be awesome. It could be sucky too. Mm. (laughs) Just anything that's really memorable for you. Yeah, do you know, it's funny, what springs to mind, I'll probably
0: listen back to this and be like, oh, I've missed out on a really cool adventure, but a race actually springs to mind, which is kind of curious for me. Um, and that race is Tarawera 50K.
1: And I think the reason... Was that just time stamp it? Was that... Uh, it was 2020, January
0: wasn't it? 2019. 19, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, at that time I was going through some massive relationship Changes um, and I actually got really sick after the race. I think I was just so run down. I'm like a chest, chest infection. infection that lasted forever. And yeah. funnily enough, my asthma was bad in my amnesia of, oh, I don't suffer from asthma anymore. But I just got really, really sick. Um, but I flew out there on a budget. I slept on the floor of the airport in Auckland with my sleeping bag and the cleaners going around me, <laughs> waited for the bus to get down um, to Rotorua. And, um, yeah, I guess the reason I, I think the reason it springs to mind is about connection and about joy in running. So I used to be coached by a US trail running coach, super fortunate. His name's David Roche, if you're familiar with Trail Running World. Um, and through his Group of athletes, I met another um, runner who is New Zealand based, and the majority of athletes are based in the Northern Hemisphere, but came across Nick um, and just connected with her at Ultra Trail Australia prior to this in the May, I guess, the previous year. And then when I said, Oh, I don't think I'm going to come to Rotorua anymore, like there's a lot going on, she said, No, do you know what? We've got accommodation. Just come and stay with me and my son and, and another friend who's running the 100K. So I didn't really know her, but I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. So I flew out there, stayed with them, ran the 50K, and I just remember loving it. Like, it's so beautiful. You run through the Redwoods, just incredible landscape, really runnable. Um, And I just had so much fun. I think because, and it comes back to perspective, there was so much going on in life that running was just fun it was just an outlet but I also had a pretty solid base on reflection (laughs) leading into that and I'd been running really consistently and I ran really well and you know it was not really about the result but for me I, I did place really well but it was more just I remember the joy of being there And, yeah, connecting with Nick and then people from the sunny coast that were there as well. Just the atmosphere was great. You start off by going on a boat to the start line. Like, it's pretty unique in that sense. I know the course changes all the time at the moment, but (laughs) but that's what it was when I was doing it. And, yeah, it was, I guess, my last – yeah, is that the last ultra that I've done? Oh, my goodness.
1: Like, actually. Like, race. Yeah. Yeah. Because you did a marathon last
0: year. I did a marathon last year, but just on my own for fun. Mm. I did like the 55k on my own. Yeah, probably the last race I've done. Why? Because yeah, with COVID and everything as well. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I just have really good, like fun memories of being there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you find that running and biking and just being in nature have helped out with some of the, you've obviously gone through a lot, definitely of recent, but just overall as well. Like, do you find that that kind of helps keep you grounded? Like, I know you're getting into mindfulness too and things, mm-hmm. but probably a bit of everything. Yeah. Like, is that a big thing for you?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think just and again, it comes back to being in nature and just appreciating the environment. And something like Tarawera, where it was all new. Like for me, it's just like an adventure. It's like, oh, what's around the next corner? And look how beautiful this is. And you know me, I will stop and take photos. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like I just want to capture that moment, those memories sing to myself with my GoPro, like, you know what, I'm just having fun. Um, And definitely movement and being in nature is, for me, it's just awesome for, for mental health and well-being, yeah.
1: Have you always been that way? Like in Scotland, like I think of Scotland, I've never been there going, oh, man, like epic landscape. And you keep talking about all these different places that are wonderful as well. And I know that you would give credit to Scotland too, but were you always outdoors, like were Was that, has that always been ingrained in you? And was it something that you started with your parents, for example, or?
0: Yeah, I guess when I look back, um, I certainly didn't have the endurance background when I was in Scotland, but I did at every opportunity get outside. I mean, it looks very different in different weather. But when I think back, like the first time I went surfing was in the north of Scotland, so north of Aberdeen. So like similar latitude to Moscow, um it was February so the depths of winter it was snowing so heavily and yeah you just put on your five mil steamer and get out there and I I just I remember it must have been the worst surf as well like it was really wild I was absolutely exhausted it was all new but yeah I would always just jump into stuff back home it wasn't like I guess I was training for team sport the outdoor stuff was more camping for example so I had a border collie um, once I left uni, Meg's. And back home, you're not restricted in terms of taking your dog into national parks. So I would you know, take her with a tent, go camping, have a fire. Um, yeah, I guess hiking. It was all kind of slower paced, shorter stuff than I do now. But I have always appreciated being outside for sure. And I, and I remember even living either in Edinburgh or Aberdeen and attaching bike lights to my running top in the winter And just going out on the street, like skating on the ice, trying to go for a run. (laughs) like (laughs) Stuff that now I'd be like, forget it. (laughs) I'll wait till tomorrow. (laughs) I'll wait till it's warmer. (laughs) But I think you're just grittier when you live
1: in that environment.
0: You know, like you have no choice. If you didn't do that, you're not going to get out there,
1: right? But, and I'm going to give... Everybody in Australia, a little bit of credit, especially on the Sunshine Coast as well. Like, imagine having the humidity that we've got in the... Like, if that doesn't make you gritty, you know, here, it's just a different kind, right? Yeah. Like, if you're back in Scotland and we would have... You know, normal days in the middle of winter, thirty-five to forty degree with ninety-eight percent humidity. You'd be like, "Yeah, right." I'm gonna stay in my aircon. So it's it's a different type of grit. Yeah,
0: that's such a good point. Yeah, the humidity is a killer. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely, <laughs> totally different elements. Well, you mentioned Megs, who yeah. we all love and miss very much. Yeah, but you've got a new dog now, I Lil do. Miss Ness. <laughs> Now, you can give Ness's origin story if you'd like. she's not very old, so there's not too much to tell yet, but she is yeah quite a handful how did first off, how did she get her name?
0: um oh, I went through. A variety of options I think I posted them to my Instagram
1: stories and <laughs> took a vote
0: to the people I, I can't remember what the people chose it wasn't Ness um, <laughs> and I just rolled with it I hadn't thought about the fact that in Australia Ness is is often shortened for Vanessa. I don't feel like we do that in the UK. In my mind, I had Loch Ness.
1: That's what I think of um, because of your Scottish heritage. <laughs> Someone
0: called her Vanessa the other day, and I was like, if you've seen my... She's, so she's a coolie, which everyone looks at her and thinks she's a Kelpie. It's probably the easiest way to describe her, but her colouring is Kelpie. She's an Australian working dog breed. Um, she is hectic. She's Little Madness, as we call her. And... She doesn't look like a Vanessa. No,
1: she is not a Vanessa. <laughs> Unless Vanessa is very sassy. <laughs> Which Ness is. Which Ness is. Yes. So I guess you've got your new pup Ness. It's a little bit different in Australia. I think we have gotten a lot more dog friendly very, you know, in the last few years and me being from America, I would come from the same background of you in Scotland. We just take you can take the dog anywhere. Nation, like a lot of national parks you can take him any state park, like no question, your dog's absolutely, you know, ready to go with you. So like I had that same experience too, growing up that dogs just were everywhere. So I guess what do you, you've got Ness now, but you're also doing all these adventures. So I'm sure that she kind of fits in there. And what are your plans for that?
0: Yeah. So I guess it is a bit of a a juggling game, like you say, because of the restrictions. So it does make you think twice about where you're going to adventure. She's still young as well. So I'm trying to not overrun her, even though she could run forever and ever trying to be a responsible parent um but yeah going forward I really hope that I can work out some routes bike packing with her to be honest I think I'm going to be that person that gets a trailer and she'll probably spend about two seconds on it and be running the rest of the way but I'm really keen to try and do that I see a lot of people in the US are doing that um, and, yeah, you have to tailor your trip a bit for the doggo, but how fun to have the dog with you as well. So, yeah, between that and some hiking stuff, I hope that um, one day she will settle in a tent and not just probably try and chew the thing apart.
1: Can you imagine her at the moment? Oh, no. How old is she now? I think she's
0: five and a half months. Yeah. So, yeah, this morning we um, I, I took, like, a little hike up Mount injury with some friends and the idea was, was we would do some breath work at the top and a bit of meditation and my assistant Ness proceeded to yap <laughs> the entire like 10 minutes so we've got a bit of um, calm work to do mm-hmm. and then when everyone tells me oh your dog reflects your personality I'm like oh sweet <laughs> we both
1: have some calm work to do <laughs> she'll grow into it I'm sure yeah yeah she'll be fine (laughs) and one day I hope I can run like her as well (laughs) yeah true if anything to aspire to it is Ness's stamina if anything yeah yeah (laughs) has that been a change from going from a dog into a puppy again oh
0: so much so I think you forget don't Mm -hmm. you like I really and even just that thing of being used to just talking to your dog like it's a human and it doing what you want versus if I don't keep an eye on Ness pretty much every accessible sock or any underwear in my house ends up in this big hole she's managed to dig in the garden and i just constantly chasing her around.
1: And usually it's the expensive ones, like not the ones oh, from Kmart. No, no, she be, has yeah.
0: amazing taste. Lululemon, Velocio. Mm. She goes for like the high-end stuff for mm. sure.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. You Off, know this as a yeah. dog owner and dog trainer, I realize. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Off of that, totally different. What's your favorite? Because you, your handle is all gear. No idea, but it's N-A-E. Nah. Nay idea. Oh, is that another Scottish thing? Yeah. yeah. There you go. I didn't know that that was what it was all about. What's your favourite piece of gear? Oh, my goodness. I have, I'm very
0: fortunate to have a pretty cool gear library that I've accrued over time for various sports. And it's a bit ridiculous, to be honest.
1: So you can do favourite bike gear, favourite run gear, favourite... Well, I've got a. If I had to go bike gear, it would be a bike. Well, I right? Guess. Okay, so without your bike, yeah, bike is already included. Um,
0: I do love my tent. Mm-hmm. If I can pick that, it's like just super lightweight, one person thing. Which yeah, it can go with me anywhere. It's pretty hardy when it comes to weather, and it's just super straightforward to set up. What is it? It is a, a big Agnes ultralight. I think that's, like a something copper no I don't know if it's copper spur I'd have to look it up it's on my blog um which is Or <laughs> the Com. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah an expensive piece of kit but one that if you look after I reckon it's gonna last a long time so.
1: is that what you take by packing with it you? is yeah and fast packing and fast packing so it as does well. everything
0: it does, and it's even a bike-packing-specific piece of kit if we want to get nerdy. So the poles are extra short, mm-hmm. so it can easily, if you're riding a drop-bar bike, it can fit on your barrel, on your handlebars,
1: without having the problem of having to put poles on your bike. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, there you go. Very nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> it pops up in your stories. Everyone's like, oh, that looks like a good tent. And then what's your favourite run equipment? Or, I guess, Oh, kind of I.
0: equipment. I think I'm, like, when I was trail running I feel like I was that person who's always wearing a vest like a hydration pack regardless of the length of run I just 5k yeah. hey.
1: <laughs> <You've> <laughs> I'm
0: always know. thirsty and I always want to have <laughs> snacks in case <laughs> so yeah I do love I have a variety of running vests hydration packs which I
1: just love they're so versatile what's the favorite short one and what's the favorite long one
0: oh I can probably just pick one to be honest okay yeah and it, I've had it for a Yeah, years now, because actually it did my first Ultra Tyreen with me. Um, And it's just that Salomon, that red 12-litre pack that I have that's not very red anymore. It's pretty sun-faded. But it's just super versatile. Takes a soft flask, takes a back if you want, has a big kangaroo pouch. I have, like, this thing when I'm running that I just don't want to have to take my pack off to refill my water. So that thing, I can just do everything without having to take it off.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice. Awesome. That was a little random thing. Thrown yeah, in there. just a little. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're getting to the point of kind of, we also wanted to keep the podcast around that hour mark. There might be some that goes above, some that go below, but we'll, for the first few episodes, try to keep it around there. Is there anything that people like something interesting or different that hasn't come up that people might not know about you?
0: Um. Oh, something I have to identify as interesting. Mm, I guess something that I've noticed a couple of people have recently said to me, whether or not this is interesting, is how many different types of jobs I've had. So like, I'll summarize very quickly. So it goes from living in Spain in a rural town in the south in Andalusia. I was an English teacher in a town where the majority of the population lived underground in caves.
1: What? True story. (laughs) How did that not come up in the origin story? I just, yeah. You just glaze over that part in your life of living in the caves.
0: Yeah, a bunch of chocolate ice. So, yeah, yeah. that was kind of a um, different experience. And I was on TV because I was, like, this foreigner. So that was that. Um, so I've done that. I've been a sea kayak guide on Sydney Harbour, taking out, like, four-hour tours into the national park. I've been a stand-up paddleboard instructor, I've also been the marketing manager for um, one of the few remaining independent whiskey distilleries in Scotland, worked overseas with them as well. I've worked in ad agencies in Sydney. I've worked for Vodafone Australia as a campaign manager. So I've done a whole bunch of dotting between corporate, like real corporate life and just being outdoors.
1: Yeah right. There you go. That's you go. super interesting. <laughs> um, all right. So, where can listeners find you? There are eight thousand different <laughs> ways to find this woman. So, good luck. <laughs> but list them all out if you can remember them all.
0: <laughs> I'll keep it simple. So, um, the business that I'm launching associated with this podcast is on Instagram. Into the wee hours, um, my personal Instagram where. If you're interested in watching seven thousand stories a day and knowing exactly where I am, <laughs> is all the gear nae idea, and as Kristen says, it's n a e nae, nay, Scottish for no. And I think that's probably the best starting point, to be honest. And we also need to start um, a an Instagram account for the podcast, which may well be into the We Are's podcast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> let's just keep it easy, right? Let's go with that. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Cool. Good one. It was great to, uh, so I definitely, I learned more information about you anyways that I didn't know, like that you lived in caves (laughs) that just came out at the very end there. Um, But no, that was great. You're a awesome person to follow online and in person. Like I mentioned, there's, I get, you know, people come to me saying that you've got a really good energy and it totally shows through. So if you, yeah, yeah, Sarah's an awesome one to follow online, anywhere that you can get your hands on her if she's not out doing uh, other adventures and stuff I would take that opportunity to get to know her a little bit more thank you All so right. much it's no been worries. super fun cool thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast to get in touch you can find us on Instagram at Into the We Hours podcast or email us at Into the wee Hours podcast at gmail.com Sarah is all the gear, nay idea. And that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton on Instagram. To
0: read the show notes or to find out more about fastpacking and bikepacking workshops, visit intothewehours.com or follow at intothewehours on Instagram and Facebook. Happy adventuring and we'll talk to you next time.